I'm really fucking sick I'm black as we eleven And Marilyn Manson I wish someone would break his fucking neck And what about Bush and Lane are so racist And talk about pretentious Why don't they just blow England off the map Every now and then I turn it on again But it's plain to see that the radio still sucks Every now and then I turn it on again But it's plain to see that the radio still sucks Welcome back to the decibel geek podcast we're here to rock and roll and have some fun and maybe even teach you something you know play you a little something you're not going to hear anywhere else at any rate i'm aaron camaro and this is chris sinzak how you doing i'm doing pretty good man it's fun to get back to basics today we've been yes. we've been doing some outside the box stuff you know and and i don't want to do no more editing man can we please <laughs> please can we just do radio sucks today you did such a good job though i'm, I'm thinking you've you've bested no. me so the te- the student has become the teacher let so me, i'm let passing you, on the torch to you let me tell you something all the personal emails that i got about it all said it was terrible and i did really really bad you <laughs> know i don't care what they say on the <laughs> facebook page the 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 people that truly care about the show sent me personal messages mm-hmm. and said don't ever do that again now you're going to doctor up some emails and everything. <laughs> if I have to. No, I'll take the, I'll take the steering wheel again for now. Okay. But uh we'll I'll make it easy on you. Yeah, I'll just throw some good songs out there and uh, have a good time. Right, cuz what's Radio Sucks radio show all about? Well, if you've been with us for good lord, how many volumes of this is this now? This is 24. Holy shit. If you've been with us for a little while, then you know the concept of the Radio Sucks radio show is the fact that, well, radio sucks, and we all know it. They play the same stuff over and over and over again. And while you might have a rock and roll station in your town that plays plenty of cool bands, I bet you there's a lot of times you get sick of hearing those same three or four or if you're Kiss, one songs oh, over and over and over again. Yeah, I get tired of hearing "Read My Body" on the radio. It really gets old. <laughs> Yeah, good one, man. Read my body. Yes, the letters are big enough. <laughs> WDGB. We had a uh, good time. Uh, we won't harp on it too much, We, but we did go see Alice Cooper recently. Oh, that was awesome. Awesome show. I'm still kind of recovering from it. it was Me like too. That editing job last week and then doubled with the Alice Cooper <laughs> show, my ass is spent. But we're still going to have some fun today. That's right. So let's get some business out of the way before we get into the music. Right, because when I'm really tired out, you know, and sometimes life has a way of just grinding on you. And I'm sure anybody listening to this show can sure relate to it. What everybody needs is what I got to bring me up, to make me feel good when I'm really down in the dumps. It's what I reach for every time. Cold gin? And iTunes reviews. And man, we got another great one right here this week. And it's simply titled... Awesome. I have a feeling it's going to be positive. I think it's going to be good because it's five stars and it comes to us from Wino Creep on iTunes. And here's how it goes. Warrant and Tora Tora Record Discussions. Conversations with Mark Slaughter and Perry Richardson. Hours upon hours of opinion on Vinnie Vincent. This is the greatest podcast in the recorded human history. I'll take it. I will take it, too. That's a fantastic iTunes review. It doesn't have to be 10 miles long. Sweet, to the point, and man, that is very the Greatest cool. in recorded human history. That's, I don't know that we'll ever top that. That's something right there. Hey, and you know what? The beautiful thing is, is everybody can do an iTunes review. If you haven't done it already, hit us up over on iTunes. Leave that great review, just like the one we got from Wino Creep, and you, too, could get your review read right here at the top of the show. 
right yeah. off the bat. We don't mess around. You no. know, you know what's important to us. Give us, give us what we need. That's true. And also giving us what we need are the geeks of the week. If you're new to the show, which had a lot of new listeners jump on board recently, so that's cool. I'm really man. happy to see that with the numbers. It's always growing. Geeks of the week. If you want to be a geek of the week, basically you just share on Facebook or retweet on Twitter the link to this week's episode that we post on Facebook and Twitter, and I'll see your name and I'll read your name on the show, and that's how it goes. So geeks of the week this week are. Baco, Greg York, Dennis Gamez, Derek Leba, Homer Irvin, Brian Odermatt, Greg McGlone, Mike Stewart, Mark Alden Taylor, Rockin' Ron Runyon, Desiree Cox, Brandy Goldsboro, Nathan Cox, Philip Schaus, Jeremy Asprock. Some of these names are familiar. And there was two girls in there. That's, That's right. Great. The rock and roll residency shared it. Sweet. Thankfully. Love having those guys on. Hannah Fairlight shared Three it. Three girls. Yep. Steve Fry, Al Collins. Uh, Kevin Williams, Otto Erlen Gregerson, Joe Royland, Sit and Spend with Joe, The Riff of the Day, Gino Ames, Warren Money, Matt Ashcraft, Cool World, James Brendan Dunn, Adam Cox, Shane Abair, Mikhail Burrell, Joe Lescon, Aaron Baker, Billy Hardcore, Four Collins. Four girls. Oh. No, I'm just kidding, Billy. You're uh, all man. The, the Mooger Fooker, Derek Novak, Ernesto Aguiar, Music Mags and Wax, Paul Watson, and Alan Thorne. Alex, Alex Thorne. Thorne. Gosh. And I, I listen to his podcast. He's got the Live to Win podcast. Nice. I'm going to start it out on a Radio Sucks radio show because I'm a DJ. I'm a radio DJ. Not anymore. Now I'm a podcaster. You're a PJ. Feels so good. You're a pod jockey. I'm a pod jockey. I like that. Am I the first? <laughs> no, you're not the first. <laughs> well, I can strive to be the best. And if I'm going to be the best pod jockey in the world, <laughs> then I got to play some faster pussycat. That's the first step. I've right? seen those guys live. Just recently. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit last week, but man, I got to tell you, I had a really, really good time at the Faster Pussycat show. Me those too. guys have still got it. It was fun. Tammy yeah. Down is cool as hell. Mm-hmm. We were, me and my wife were right up front. I watched her singing along the House of Pain. It was cool, man. Faster Pussycat is the shit. If I had to sit down and say, you may only choose five bands to listen to for the rest of your They'd days. Be in your top five? I'd have to put Faster Pussycat wow. in there just because of the album Wake Me When It's Over. That's a great record. It's a perfect album to me. I've always loved that album. That one's special to me. I remember the first album came out and it blew me away. I was like, this is fucking awesome. This is right along the lines of what I like and then some. And then, as a matter of fact, my very first band that I was ever in <laughs> this is a good one. You guys like this. The name of the very first band that I was ever in, mm-hmm. Rock Candy Dynamite. Nice. Yeah. And we only knew how to play Bathroom Wall by Faster Pussy. Oh, really? <laughs> That's as far as we got. That was our rehearsals, trying to play that song over and over again, because we love Faster Pussycat. It was a medley of your hit. and Right, exactly. <laughs> and then when Wake Me When It's Over was coming out, that was one yeah. that I was at. At the mall, at the the Camelot Music, yeah. before it opened, before they lifted up the chain link doors to mm-hmm. let everybody in, and then you run in. I know you remember these times. Of course, you run inside and you run right over to the rock section, mm-hmm. and you you go to the F's and you flip it open, and they're right at the front. Fast Pussycat, brand new. There it is. How awesome it was. And was it a cassette tape? No. Well, let me think. Was it? 
No, it was. I think I was in CDs by CDs. then. Yeah, I was in CDs by I then. I was really into cassette tapes at the time, and I remember they would have those long white things that yeah, would keep you from yeah, stealing yeah, yeah. them. That's yeah. right. And then the CDs back then, I'm sure, probably had the long cardboard the long box. box. Yeah. Yep, those are collectible now. Yeah. Back then, we just threw them away. Totally tore them open, threw them away, yeah. threw in the disc, and rocked it out. Cranked it up real loud, and that's what I expect you to do right now. Here's some Faster Pussycat from 1989, off that perfect album I was talking about, Wake Me When It's Over. Here's one. They didn't play it the other night, but it's a deep cut. That's what the Radio Sucks radio show's all about. So like I said, turn it up loud. This is Ain't No Way Around It.
love me some faster pussycat, man. One thing about that record is it it will put you right back in that year. Totally like it, will. It, it, not that it sounds dated. I don't no, mean to say it, that. It, that it don't. But, it, See, it, but it, we were both at, in an age where right. that, those were formative years for yes. us. Yes. And I yes. remember I didn't discover them until that album. Really? I didn't yeah. know about the first one. The first time I ever saw them was the video for Poison Ivy. Oh, right on. And I saw it on Headbangers Ball one night, and I remember Ricky Rackman saying, these are my buds, and this is yeah. special Pussycat. Cat House. And, uh... And they played it, and I fucking love that song. I was yeah. I was bummed the other night, and they didn't play it live. I could have sworn they would have played that you one live. You sure thought so, but, but uh, they that album, like you said, that's that's a damn good record. Yeah, and it's hard to believe it's been ten years since they came out with uh, the Power and the Glory Hole, and they played a bunch of songs off that the other night. Which it's a great underrated album. If you love Faster Pussycat. Even if you like the newly deads, because kind of nowadays that's it's kind of a blend between those yeah. two bands is what you get. But it's all good. Go to Amazon through our link at decibelgeek.com. Get yourself the power in the glory hole. Get yourself wake me when it's over if you don't have it, and even get that debut. It sucks. They only have three albums. Is that really it? Yeah. Holy oh no no whipped. whipped. They got whipped. Uh, four. Where there's a whipped whip, is, there's a way. Whipped is awesome too. Yep. It's got a uh, non-stop to nowhere. Yep. I love Faster Pussycat. You know what I would really, really love? Uh-huh. More Faster Pussycat music. New album. Why not? So we want that and an Ugly Kid Joe US tour. Yes. Yes. Add that to the list. And a too. double bill with both bands. But I'd like to see Tammy Down record something with the lineup they had that he had playing with him the other night because he had yeah, that, that Ace Von Johnson on guitar was fucking killer. Is he the dude with the really really short hair, or is he? No, the guy he with was the... The, he was the dude that came out in intermission and sang uh, New Rose. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, good. he was. That dude was way. They were on all guitar. really good. I they mean, it's, a, it's really a good, good. It lineup tight. of the band, you know. It was really good. I mean, of course, awesome I'd love show. to hear the old older guys, but at the same time, they they filled in really well. I mean, yeah. you looked at it on stage. And that like, Christian that Simon, like he's been with the band for years, and Chad Stewart. Fucking awesome yep. drummer. One of the best out there, I think. Tammy Downs put himself together a hell of a band. It's time for a new album. Hopefully they'll come back one day. It was fun yeah, to see them. a lot of fun. If so, they come to your town, go see them. So for my first pick, uh, I'm going to play a band. Uh, this is a track that should have been bigger and a band that probably should have been bigger, too. Yeah, this is a band we can't say we've seen in concert anytime recently. No, I, I think they are still around, yeah. um, but they only play sporadically. A band from San Francisco called Jet Boy. I love Jet Boy. They came out in uh, 1983, formed in San Francisco. They've been on MCA, Paris, Cleopatra, and Rumble Records. They've been everywhere, man. And they've been around for a long time. And uh, the the singer Mickey Finn, he's been kind of the mainstay of the band. Yeah, I met Mickey Finn one time. He was he was in a different band, but he was opening. I believe it was for Guar. Yeah, if you see him now and compared to then, you would never recognize him. Yeah, because this band he was in was like a horror punk rockabilly. Yeah, psychobilly kind of thing, but it was good. It was cool. And he was, I met him afterwards. He was a hell of a cool dude. And also Billy Rose in the band, and uh, he's been in the band for a long time. Fernie Rod has been there since pretty much the beginning. And they had a, a guy named Todd Crew who was their bass player. And right as they were about to release the album, I'm going to play a track from in 1988. Todd, I think, OD'd on heroin. He was like, he was hanging out with the GNR guys. Yeah. And it just went bad. But Duff uh, McKagan wrote a song about him oh, called right. "Man in the Meadow." That's right. And uh, but uh, interesting replacement they got. They got Sammy Yaffa from Hanoi Rocks to replace him, which is that's quite a replacement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, formed in '83 and uh, still around today. 
But this song right here, man, I think this is one of the more underrated songs from that period of time. And this I love is a, it. a cool track called Feel the Shake.
That's a good one, man. Good bluesy, sleazy rock song. Heck yeah, man. I'll never forget that album. The first time, and now, you know, I'm sure just about anybody listening will know what I'm talking about when I say Dollar Tree. <laughs> yeah. Because they're everywhere now. But I remember the first time I ever went into a Dollar Tree, I found some CDs. And it was a bunch of garbage. But there were two bands in there that looked pretty cool that I'd never heard of before. But I could tell by the... And these were the long cardboard long boxes, too. I remember that distinctly. Mm-hmm. It was Jet Boy, and it was Kill for Thrills. All right. And that was the beginning of my love of Gilby Clark. And that that album, Feel the Shake, mm-hmm. is killer. And it I is. love that song. Do you know there's a podcasting tie-in to Jet Boy? A you, podcasting you tie-in to Jet Boy? Let me share no. the story because it's... Well, you're you're familiar with Michael Butler who hosts the Rock and Roll Geek Show, are you <laughs> Yes, not? yeah. Well, sometime <laughs> in, in the mid-2000s, Michael was the bassist for Jet Boy. Okay. He's out, he's out in San Francisco. He played with Exodus for a while, too. Yeah, right um, on. So he's playing for Jet Boy. And I can't find the audio anywhere online now, which is a shame because it's one of the greatest things ever in podcasting history. But Michael was hosting a show called, I think it was called Good Clean Fun at the time. And the, let's just say there were tensions in Jet Boy between him and Fernie and, and Mickey. And it was like Michael and the drummer and Mickey and Fernie on each side, right? Okay. Mickey and Fernie were trying to view the band as a business and let's be clean, sober, let's work hard, let's do this. And Michael and the other guy were like, well, fuck this, it's rock and roll, let's get drunk and have a good time. Yeah, okay. And But basically what you could hear on the audio, I so wish I could find this again, was Fernie calls into Michael's show while all this is going on because Michael's like ranting about what's going on in the band. So he's putting band business out there on his podcast? Yeah, because that's what he does. <laughs> Michael is one of the most honest podcasters you'll ever find. I guess, Probably man. to a fault. But I ought to do with the maintenance podcast and yeah, just bitch just about bitch people about all day. <laughs> oh, I've thought, about, I've thought about creating the Angry Office Worker podcast, believe me. But, let me uh, tell you about my day. Yeah, let me tell you about all the people I have a fucking problem with right now. But uh, Fernie calls into the show and they're talking and everything and and it just it's, gets real heated, you know, it goes back and forth. And I guess at one point they were opening for Alice Cooper and Michael asked Alice Cooper for his autograph or something. And Fernie's like, you opening bands don't do that. You don't ask the headliner for an autograph. Oh, and wow. Michael's like, fuck you, it's Alice Cooper. Yeah. And um, so uh, basically it gets to the point where Michael's like, well, this is bullshit. And I'm totally paraphrasing, but like. I, you know, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't need to be in the band. And Fernie's like, you know what, Mel? Maybe you're right. That's right. You're fired. You're out of the band. They fired him on his own on show. Pod, on his own podcast. On his own podcast. Holy shit! And Michael, that's fucking awesome. Being as honest <laughs> as he is, left it up for years and for years. You could listen to it. That's cool. But man. like, it was a definite insight into the inner workings of inner band drama. Wow. But I wish he would put it back up sometime because it was really entertaining to listen to. Fired from your band on, on your, your own, own show podcast. <laughs> My guest this week is the person that's about to fire me. Right. That's amazing. Yeah, it was an interesting story. I wanted to share that. <laughs> That was the early days of me listening to podcasts. Was yeah. I heard that? I'm like, oh my god, you can do anything on these shows. You know, that's cool. So yeah, but yeah, I love that. But yeah, Jet Boy, feel the shake. That's my. It's a great one. So you're next. All right. So what I've got is kind of a throwback to last week because we had Jeremy and Phil on, and we talked about the great rock and roll guitar duos throughout the years, and it got me thinking about Motley Crue '94 again, and what a great fucking album that is. Just ask Nikki Six. Well, that's I'll the wait. other thing too because I kind of was thinking about that after I read the comments recently made by Nikki Six about that. What a tool. 
Man, you know, it's it almost this is this is my opinion on it, you know, and I'm just a rock and roller who's a fan and you know, based on what we learned by talking to John Karabi, Nikki Six isn't used to sharing credit. Mm-hmm. You know, Molly Crew for a long time, those songs were all written by Nikki Six. Lyrics and all. He didn't have to share credit with anybody. At the time in the early 90s mm-hmm. when that was going on and he hooked up with John Karabi, I know at the time, obviously, he was like, holy fuck, here's a guy that writes just as good as me and we've got something here together. We yeah. are writing these fucking awesome songs that maybe not Motley Crue, you know, maybe they should have called it Christmas, as stupid as that name is. <laughs> but, you know, at the time, you know he was all about it and yeah. you know they were creating music they were super, super proud of. Yeah. But because in retrospect now, people say that's a great album that Nikki Six and John Karabi and even Tommy Lee and Mick Mars all mm-hmm. kicked in and really became a team yeah. and together created this freaking masterpiece of an album that nobody knows about. Yeah. Now he's got to share the credit. Yeah. You yeah. know? That could, you're probably you're probably in the right direction. So you don't want to share comes no credit? Yeah. He's but... got to be Nikki fucking Six, you know? Which I can't blame him because he's Nicky fucking six. Well, in all fairness, you know, he he mentioned how John couldn't write lyrics that were up to Nicky's standard. Well, Bullshit. Yeah, so, I mean, I I know that, um, you know, uh, I know that, you know, Power to the Music and songs like Uncle Jack that deal with really hard themes, I know that can't go up nearly to the strata of uh, She Goes Down. Um, so, you know, point taken, Nikki, and, you know, and right. and rhyming the names of strip clubs in a certain song. I mean, that's it takes real brain power to come up with, with that. So, uh, yeah, Nikki, I, I totally agree with you there. Right. So, what the fuck? Yeah. So, I thought while we were thinking about that, he makes it really hard to be a Motley Crue fan. I know. I'll tell you what. Makes it really easy to be a John Karabi fan. <laughs> yes, though, he does. For sure. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing right now. We talked about it last week with Jeremy about how much work they put in recreating this song. You know, and it made me sit down and re-listen to it. And it's freaking awesome. This is another gem off of a diamond of an album. It's Motley Crue 94 featuring John Karabi. And this one is Welcome to the Numb. It's been a gun, my back's against the 
to beat, man. I don't know, man. Sassy little lassie walking right past me down in Tennessee. <laughs> sounds a lot. It sounds a lot more thought-provoking than that. <laughs> Fucking moron. Oh, man. Uh, don't, come on, Chris. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. Go play to some more backing bass tracks, Nikki. I think it's just hard to share credit sometimes when you're like, I mean, I love Motley Crue. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, man, I, before you start, because I do. I love before the, the hate comes stuff, our totally. way. I totally do. I, I own every album, but but, but that Motley Crue '94 was something totally well, separate. You know, it's but it's, it's, it's this is my argument. Like with Kiss, is like Gene and Paul make it out like you have to love the current band and hate the original guys. No, you don't. You can like all of it. Yeah, totally. And it's like Nikki. We can love Shout at the Devil, and we can love 94 at the same time. Yep. You, it's not going to kill you to give credit where it's due. It's totally due. It's one album. It's a great album. <laughs> it's one of the best Motley Crue albums, no doubt about it. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah uh, I'm getting, now I'm getting pissed. Well, you know how we feel <laughs> now that we've got that all out in the open. How do you feel? Post on the uh, comment section and on the fan page. To yeah, this get on Facebook. Let us know. Let us know. Are we wrong? I mean, does... Does, you, you know, know we're not wrong. Does lyrics about the L.A. riots, you know, pale in comparison to? Uh, well, I'm not. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> just, just play the next song, man. Okay. And make sure it rocks. It does. It does. Uh, this is uh, an album that came out in 1990 on Elektra Records, which was Motley Crue's label, um, produced by Max Norman, who did damn near everything back in that era. Yeah, he did. Uh, a band called Lynch Mob. And I, we haven't played nearly enough Lynch Mob on this show, so I want to help rectify that today. Wicked Sensation was the debut album, and it's a great album it, cover. It's it's a great album cover, and music is awesome. Yeah, you remember the guitar George had that had the the album cover on the guitar? Yes, I, that was like one of my dream guitars when I was twelve or thirteen years old when it when this came out. I shoplifted this CD when I was probably about seven. Did you? Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm sure the statute of limitations is done on that. I would think so. And uh, as long as the pomite is not still standing in Merrill, <laughs> Wisconsin, and I know it's not. Some of our Midwestern listeners are going, "Wow, pomita, yeah, <laughs> cowhands." Um, so yeah, awesome lineup on this record too. Oni Logan on vocals, man, he, a great singer. Yeah, and uh, of course George Lynch on guitar. Whatever and, happened to that guy, Oni Logan? Yeah. Do you know? I think the Lynch Mob put a record out this past year with Oni back on vocals. Oh, yeah, because Robert Mason's in Warrant now. Yeah. Oh, right on. That's and Oni, cool. I think, was Oni. And then Oni also has played with... Was he with Warrant for a little while, I think? No, no. not Warrant. Um, shit, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I don't have my... The, the, we're just... We're, on the, we're off I'm the sorry, cuff. I'm sorry, man. Right? It's okay. Now it looks stupid. <laughs> but, um... I mean, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. And then also Mick, Wild Mick Brown on drums. Yeah. Who's... Uh, Don't let him on a golf cart. No. And uh, Anthony Esposito on bass. He's awesome. He, he played is. with Ace Fraley. Yeah. And I got to meet him playing with Red Dragon Cartel a few months ago when they when Jakey e. Lee came into town. Right on. Yeah, that uh, dude's freaking awesome. One of the best rock and roll bass players out there for sure. Told him how much I enjoyed his work with Ace Fraley. And then mm. he's like, yeah, tell him. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> didn't end well with that. But uh, I wanted to play a track off of this album, and there's a, there's loads of really, really great songs on this record. But uh, when it comes down to it, my favorite song on this one is River of Love.
great tune man i agree all right so it's been out for a little while so tell me what do you think of, <laughs> of origins volume one we uh, got to talk about ace Frehley, man we okay. got to uh, yeah so this is gonna go how it typically goes with an ace album but i love it and you, you love it, it i'm kind of yeah um overall i like it a lot uh, yeah, me too. It's an enjoyable listen, even, but I do think my only gripe is some of the song selections. Right. We yeah. don't need to hear Wild Thing again. No. We don't need to hear, we really don't need to hear Ace doing Spanish Castle Magic. No. Um, only Street Hendrix can pull that man. one off. Street Fighting I mean, Man's been covered a billion though. times. Although I don't I mean, mind that one because his voice, voice fits. Yeah, he did do good on it. Even White, White Room, Room is, is really cool, but it's man, fun, but deeper cuts, baby. Yeah, but the, those are all so. Overplay a wild thing alone is the worst offender. Yeah, no one ever needs to cover that fucking song again. No, but uh, I thought Bring It On Home was cool. Yes, I, I love the, I love the way they kind of pep up the the music on that one. Yeah, um, I love the Kiss re-records, uh, especially I love Parasite and Cold Gin. It only makes me wish that those songs. I mean, you just can't beat the original ones. You mean you just? I can't don't know, beat it, man. But I wish. I wish Ace would have sang on him back then. Oh yeah, he was too nervous too though. And my he would have been so good. Those songs would have been so great back then with his young voice. Yeah, here's but here's what will surprise you, because I'm kind of strange ways. Well, yeah, we, I wish he would have recorded that one. Yeah, but this is what will surprise you. My go-to versions of Parasite and Cold Gin now are from this album. Yeah, right on. I will if I want to hear those songs, I'll listen to these versions. And like I know John Five's getting a lot of flack for his extended solo on Parasite. I thought it was fucking awesome. I thought so too. I mean, I loved it. And because yeah. first you get Ace doing the classic one, so right. you get that on there, and then you get John Five kind of just taking it into a modern spin. Yeah, and I I think it's great. And also the fact the, that you're getting modern production compared to the shit that you hear on Hotter Than Right, Hell. that's true too. But that's always been the thing with Ace Frehley. Everybody wants Ace Frehley to sing, you know, just like back in Frehley's Comet days, everyone was like, who's Todd Howarth? Why is he singing these songs? Ace fans want Ace. Yeah. Even I do, to a point, agree with that. You know, did it need the John 5 guitar solo? No, it didn't necessarily need it, but I liked it. It would have been great without it, you know? Sure, but I, I liked hearing it. But this is an Ace Frehley album. I mean, guest singers, yeah, I can understand that. Guest guitarists. Uh-uh. But you get Ace, Ace Frehley. But he's doing the solo, and then they just extended it so John 5 could do one. I mean, it is cool. But I think it's great. I'm not going to be that stuck in my ways Ace on fans want Ace. Well, you have to love the Cold Gin 
Really I do cool. love it. And I the fact that it. he does the the real high squee- squealy part of the... That was... I was like, oh my God. Because that's the song that made me fall in love with Kiss. Right. Yeah, that, that for is, sure. That, was, that song was my true introduction as a Kiss fan. So hearing him do that, I, I was just grinning ear to ear listening Yeah, to that. it's very cool. I was like, cool. this is fucking awesome. And because, uh, yeah, because the, the production on the first album is just not that great. No. Nah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the cover... My favorites. The know. cover of Emerald with Slash. That's, that's one of my absolute favorites on the album. It's great. It didn't need Slash. I'm just saying... But it but was I like pretty hearing cool. them duel back and yeah, forth. I they make, they definitely make a good guitar duel. Oh, totally. My last gripe of the album, uh-huh. and I'll let you get to yours. I'm sorry, I'm taking up all the time. But it's okay, no, this is cool. When Ace does when Ace does a simple thought out solo, like when he re-recorded the Parasite solo, yeah. like, that's what I want to hear him do. There's a lot of stuff where, and he's admitted this in interviews for this record, he doesn't go in and think about and plan out solos anymore. He just wings it just and, lets, and her just lets it roll. He just lets her rip. Which is okay in small doses, but after a while it just sounds like some kid that's got too much going on. But my gripe is he doesn't plan out the solos anymore and he just kind of just goes, throws everything but the kitchen sink in on stuff, which it's like, I want to hear Ace Fraley be Ace Fraley, not Vinnie Vincent. But he's letting he's her rip, to, man. He's, but he's trying to shred, but he's not a shredder. But he's letting her rip. Well, he's that's, just getting in there and feeling it. Yeah, you know? but if, sometimes you can't overthink uh, these things. The, if six solos sound exactly the same, that's a, not that's not a good thing. They don't sound exactly the same. It's Ace freaking freely. All right. All right. Go ahead and gush. All right. I love it. I think it's awesome. You know, you're right. Some of them songs overplayed. I hate it when when a band does a cover of a song you've heard a bazillion times, you know? Well, it's pointless. Right. I mean, in White Room, in Street Fighting Man, in Spanish Castle Magic, and like you said, especially Wild Thing. His voice on Spanish Castle Magic is cringeworthy. It's bad. Yeah, it's not his best. It's not made for his voice. But there are so many good songs on there here. Are. And you know it's and Fire it's, and Water, it's, oh my god. It's all enjoyable, but yeah, <laughs> Fire and Water with Paul Stanley. God bless the internet. Yeah. You know, here in this day and age in 2016, the Spaceman and the Star Child back together again. Sort of. For a song. Yeah, because they don't even ever have to see each other. They just email it back and forth, right? Isn't that how this works? Yeah. It's weird, but I'll take it. Maybe Ace and Paul should just get together and make an album. Do a tour together. Wow. Have Ace a solo band. All right. I think, I think we're getting way ahead of ourselves with this. It's but not it's, Christmas in July yet. It's very cool with Ace Fraley and Paul Stanley on the same track it together. Is. It warms my heart. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since those two appeared on the same song together. Since uh, Psycho Circus. That's badass. I love song. it. My favorite song on the whole album? I was so surprised to even know that he was doing this song on here. And when I heard it, it blew me away. And I think it's going to blow you away, too. Go to Amazon through our link. Pick up Ace Fraley Volume 1 Origins. It's an amazing album. If you love Kiss, it's a lot of fun. And this song, it makes me wonder what it could have been back in the day when Creatures of the Night was coming out. But this is Ace Fraley doing his awesome cover of Rock and Roll Hell. Fuck 
deep thoughts with Ace Fraley. <laughs> Hi, Carly. Want to feed your eyes as well as your ears? Check out Decibel Geek on Instagram. Go to Instagram.com slash Geek and see for yourself. Taking a little break from the Radio Sucks radio show right here on the Decibel Geek podcast. And we're going to get right back to it because Chris and I both got some more choice tunes to play for you and turn you on to. And that's what we do here. Another person that can turn you on to something really, really cool is our friend Daryl Albert. And he has got some really awesome stuff up for sale on Amazon. Yeah, HK Collectibles Inc. That's what I'm talking about. They've got some awesome Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin tickets from way back in the day. These are things that you can't just go buy anywhere. This is one-of-a-kind gifts for somebody you love, for yourself, for somebody on an airplane. You never know. Could be Bruce Dickinson. He's flying that thing right over us right now. You can get you some old Iron Maiden tickets, I'm sure, at HK Collectibles Inc. Don't forget, he's also got that make-and-offer option where you can name your price. And he may just accept your offer. It never hurts to ask. My mom always told me, never, ever not ask. Because the worst thing anybody could ever say to you is no. That's true. It's beautiful advice. Head on over to decibelgeek.com and click on that HK Collectibles Inc. banner and do your shopping right now. I don't know. They could say I tested positive. That would be worse than no. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. What are the results of the test? Yeah. No, no, please no. No, please say no. <laughs> also, uh, well, well, we got to do the Amazon thing. Right, because if you're at decibelgeek.com and you're looking for that HK Collectibles Inc. banner, well, the beautiful thing about that is you've also found our banner. So if you don't see nothing today you want on HK Collectibles Inc., but there's some other stuff on Amazon that you want, you can go through our link, and what that does is it takes you right to Amazon. Now, whatever you buy, whatever your little heart desires, it's there. You buy it, and because you went through our link to get to Amazon, once Amazon gets their cut of the money, because that's a beautiful thing. It doesn't come out of your side. It comes out of Amazon's side, and they're going to kick us a little bit of money, and it helps us out a ton around here, and we love you for it. And there's a lot of people that do do that already, and we get the list, the awesome, awesome list of products that were purchased through and sometimes because of us. Yes. And this week, the list is interesting. Some of the interesting purchases include in books, Appetite for Dysfunction, a cautionary tale by Vicki Hamilton. She was I would love to read GNR's that. early manager. Yeah, she was all up in it. And in LA. Uh, on DVD, Star Wars, The Force Awakens was involved. We sold quite Hell a few yeah. copies of that through our uh, That's our awesome. Link. Hey, everybody's buying it anyway. You yeah. might as well do it through our link. It's amazing. I love Star Wars. This is interesting. Yoga tune-up, Jill Miller's Therapy Balls, Aqua Blue was purchased. Nice. I don't know what that is, but it Fair sure enough. sounds sexy. Jill Miller's got balls. Uh, MP3s, Prince and Third Eyed Girl, Another Love Was Bought. You may be hearing See, something about that. That's, yeah, that's the thing, because everyone told me that 
uh, Plectrum Electrum. I read that on the Facebook page. If you want to check us out and get in the conversation, that's where to do it. On the Facebook page, they told me, mm -hmm. if you want some heavy prints, check out the Plectrum Electrum album. And the band, the backing band, is this... Uh, Third Eye Girl. Third Eye Girl. Yeah, and it's it's supposedly pretty heavy. I'm going to check that out myself. Cool. Also, Guns N' Roses, GNR Lives was bought. Uh, Dokken Live 1981 from Conception was purchased. Cool. Aerosmith Permanent Vacation Remastered. Oh, nice. Uh, for full albums, Haken Affinity. I haven't heard this band before. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, if they're buying it through our link, it's probably good, right? Yeah. yeah. Keel Larger Than Live was bought. Cool. Alex Harvey, Last of the Teenage Idols box set was bought. And that, that oh, cost wow. a pretty penny. So thank you so much, whoever bought that. That's very cool. 6 a.m. Prayers for the Damned. Brand new. And Rob Zombie, the Electric Warlock Acid Witch Satanic or Orgy Celebration Dispenser. He's got the best album titles. He wanted to keep it simple, I you see. You can't remember them, but, you know, it's like that Electric Warlock album. Yeah, it's brand new, and it's awesome. And yeah. You bought it through our link, and we thank you for it. We absolutely do. Now back to the show. Coming back from break, it's Decibel Geek Podcast. We're doing the Radio Sucks Radio Show. And before we move on, because we got some more good rock and roll music to play for you before we get out of here today, but I want to ask you, you know, after hearing that Ace Frehley song, after hearing him do Rock and Roll Hell, mm -hmm. does it make you think about how great Creatures of the Night could have been? No. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but I'm happy with Creatures as is. But man... It's that cover is so great. Imagine if Ace Frehley would have played on Creatures of the Night. Yeah, I mean, I, I it, it's interesting to it think about. It would have been so much better. I wouldn't. No, I don't think so. I mean, Creatures of the Night is awesome. Don't get me wrong. And Vinnie Vincent's really good, but Ace doing solos on Creatures and and Man, Danger and Yes. I don't know how great it could have been. It would have been a lot different. They still could have took off the makeup and then in '96 put the makeup back on sure. and stuff, and still been just as. Paul huge. Stanley wishes they had all. taken off the makeup for creatures. Yeah, Gene was the one that wanted to keep it on. Everybody knows why. Well, because Paul was like, "This is the album is good enough. Let's do it." And Gene was scared and didn't want to do it, and it hurt them. Yeah, because everybody's possibly. like, "Oh, it's that old band that wears makeup." Right. True. True, because no, that I, album should have got more attention than what it got. It's an interesting what-if scenario, and it's cool to hear that cover because it does give you, this is what it would have sounded like. Way better than the original. I don't, Solo I don't think and all. so. I don't think so. No? No, I mean, I've got, uh, Ace sounds great on the stuff he played on. I, I mean, I... I mean, I, of course, out of curiosity, I'd like to hear it, but no, I would not go back and change history like that. I, I wish Creatures of the Night was like that Danger Danger album. Oh, where two lineups recorded? Yeah, yeah. That'd where be you cool. get like the Ace, Ace Fraley, and Peter. The Ace Fraley and Peter version. No, it would still be Eric. Oh, well, what? the Ace and Eric version and the Vinny and Eric version. Right. You know, with Gene and Paul on both of them. Man, I wish it was I'd like listen, that. I'd listen I'd buy it. But... Maybe someday we'll just like get on YouTube and they'll be like, blam, there it is. Ace Fraley playing the Creatures of the Night songs. He's got a home studio. He could always do it. He should. I my you know he origins volume two Ace Frehley re records, re -records and creatures and sings the entire creatures of the night album and the elder, the elder. <laughs> with all his original solos that they cut out maybe he should maybe he should go recut all his kiss classics they call it rewriting history with Ace Frehley wow yeah I but like I don't but uh, I will say I think because you know he's done a lot of interviews for this record and he uh, said that. 
he wanted Gene to appear on the record too, but Gene didn't right. turn his calls. I remember when, when this was an early think, on thing back when we did the covers yeah, contenders. You know, when I that think was this some talk. song was the one he probably wanted Gene to sing on. Yeah, because. I mean, how much cooler would it have been to hear Gene redo his vocal on it? Well, Gene don't want to come on Ace Frehley's album and do Rock and Roll Hell and have it be better than the original. Why not? Because then he's like, well, damn, I guess we should have never let Ace Frehley go. They didn't let him go. Ace quit. We should have never let him go. <laughs> you chained him up to the tank. To the tank. Chain him to the <laughs> and tank. And run him over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're getting into Kiss nerddom. Let's let's move on. Yeah, All before right. we get stuck. <laughs> I'm getting pissed. Why? Because I'm playing something off the album Pissed. Oh. By Dangerous Toys next. Oh, nice. Okay. Pissed came out March 22nd, 1994. It's like no need to get heated about it, man. Well, it's a horrible name Vinnie for a Vince, record. it's okay, man. I'm just saying. Produced by Tom Fletcher. Who's Tom Fletcher? I have no idea. But hmm. it's it's a good record. Came out on yeah. DOS Records. I don't know what that is either. It was their third studio album. So in March 94. Not a lot of call for a Dangerous Toys record by the general public. No, but these guys came in kind of late to the game, but they had a pretty hot peak when they first came out. They really mm-hmm. had it going on. They had the cool logo, cool mascot, yeah. good songs, mm-hmm. hard rock and stuff, but the, the time, you know, the time. They they got in just at the end before it, yeah. it all broke down, but there's a lot of cool songs on this album, and uh, including the title track, uh, Promise the Moon's Cool. Screaming for more. Yeah. But I love this song. This is track two from the album. This is Dangerous Toys with a song called Pain Train.
Lisa McMaster and Texas's own Dangerous Toys. Heck yeah, man. I love me some Dangerous Toys. I remember them back in the day. It was so cool to have a Dangerous Toys t-shirt because mm-hmm. it had the crazy clown with the swirly eyes and the big teeth. Yep. Yeah, if you were scared of clowns, you didn't want to look at their shirts. No. But yeah, I, I, we haven't played a lot of them on the show, so I'm glad we could play that. Yeah, I think the only other thing we played by them was off the Shocker soundtrack. Mm-hmm. The Demon Bell. That's a That's great a song. song. Heck yep. yeah. Dangerous Toys. Check out more of that. You know, the big thing in the news going on here lately is the old Guns N' Roses. You know, the big reunion that's going Who? on. You know, GNR. Band from Los Angeles, California. You know Guns N' Roses, right? I think I've heard of them. They're back together. Oh, cool. Sort of. Look, don't get me wrong. I think it's awesome that Axel Slash and Duff are back together. I think it's really cool. The footage and the stuff I've seen on YouTube has all looked really great. You know, Axel's rocking so hard, he's breaking bones. <laughs> he's about to fall out of his chair. About to fall out of his chair, he's <laughs> rocking so hard. But still, again, you know, it's hard to call it a reunion. I agree. Because you're missing a couple of guys. You're missing Steven Adler, and you're missing Izzy Stradlin. And, you know, here's another callback to last week with Jeremy and Phil when we talked about what a great guitar duo Izzy Stradlin was with Slash. And the fact that Izzy Stradlin was such a major part of the songwriting of so many of those amazing Guns N' Roses songs, it's really just not the same without him. And don't get me wrong, I'm a Gilby guy, (laughs) but I love Izzy Stradlin. You know, and here's something a lot of people don't know. Between 1992 and 2010, Izzy Stradlin released 11 studio albums. That's true. That's crazy. Nobody knows about it. No. They're all available on Amazon, especially through the Decibel Geek link. Because if there's an award for not pushing your own album, that man deserves it. Because he just puts them out and he doesn't care how they do. And that should show you that this music is coming from a very, very real place. Oh, yeah. He's creating the music that he loves because he loves to create music. He definitely does, has no interest in being a rock star. But he's such a rock and roller. Yeah. You got to love it. I want to give you guys a taste of some solo Izzy Stradlin. This one came out in 2001 off the album River. It's the one and only. It's Izzy. He's not in Guns N' Roses, but he's here with us on the Decibel Geek podcast. And this one's called Jump In Now.
is he straddling? Where are you? Who knows where? I don't know. He, Why is he, he in Guns N' Roses right now? It that's, doesn't make any kind sense of the to me. Sixty-four thousand dollars question, isn't it? I read something earlier that said it was he was asking for more money. I don't buy that. Yeah, anybody can say whatever. You know how much money he has? He he it, lives. Yeah. He's a minimalist. Like he doesn't. I mean, he's he cashing no money. He's cashing appetite for destruction. Yeah, checks. he'll never have to work a day in his life. That it, album will never stop no, selling. No, every day. And he wrote a lot of that stuff. I bet you every day in the world, at least five people discover that album for the first time at and are least. like, and are like, "Holy shit!" At least, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, that album, a hundred years from now will still be yes. popular. Fuck yeah, it will be. All right. So, what do you got next? Okay, this is uh, Decibel Geek centric like not more than just me playing a jet boy tune from 89 okay but we are now in the business of sponsoring cd releases okay that's cool and how does that work i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but over rich meister dylan who is the webmaster for the website and the head writer has worked well he went through it and there's this guy named Mikkel that who writes for the website and okay. he's I think in Sweden apologies if I'm wrong Mikhail but it, between the two of them they worked out this deal to where we're going to start sponsoring certain like CD reissues of metal bands from wow. like the old days wow so we really are making a difference yeah and like literally so basically and I listened to the songs off this this album for the first one we have two coming out soon and I loved one of the songs a lot where I was like, I have to play this on the next Radio Sucks show. So, you know, Rich will go in and do these cool, basically, summations of albums that are coming out. So let me just read you what he wrote. Okay. Presenting the first ever Decibel Geek sponsored CD release, German heavy metal band Acer Fury was formed way back in 1986 in Kempton, Uma Algoa, Bavaria. <laughs> That's an exact pronunciation. I'm sure. The guys in the band were lead vocal. Oh, I'm not even going to read the names. Um, but it's a really cool German dude. Yeah, cool German dudes. In 1989, they released a self-financed seven-inch vinyl with the songs "Crazy King," backed with "Village and Rage." Both the cover art and the title of this CD are taken from that vinyl sample single. Wow. They continued to write and record songs throughout the rest of the 80s and the first half of the 90s, but no songs were officially released until a demo tape appeared in '93 called "Spider-Shaped Letterbox Thoughts." Wow. Okay. Um, it's not included on this compilation and signaled a change of style to adapt to what was popular at the time. Besides the seven inch songs. Are you telling me Acer Fury went grunge? I guess so. Besides the seven inch songs, the other tunes on this compilation were recorded from 88 to 92 prior to the release of the demo tape. Huh. And it says Acer Fury successfully continues the legacy by created by bands like Accept, Noise Hunter, and Stormwitch. Right on. And it says uh, the album's been carefully remastered by Sash Machine for the best possible audio. This CD is released with full band participation and involvement and comes with a full color eight page booklet with lyrics to all the songs, hopefully in English. The album should appeal to fans of classic 80s metal. And let me tell you, after you hear this song, you'll know why. Right on. This is very cool, man. I like that. So this is a band that they were from Germany, and they never really made it big, but they were really awesome. Mm -hmm. And now everybody's getting a chance to hear it thanks to the Decibel Geek podcast. We're part of it. That's fucking awesome. So yeah, and our logo is going to appear on the CDs. Oh, right on. How cool is that? We all got to get copies of that. So from... Play it, man. Play it. From 2016 by way of 1988, this is Acer Fury from Crazy King with the title track, Crazy King. (laughs) 
lot of guitar acrobatics on that song. Yeah, that's something we can get behind, and I'm yeah. glad we are. That was us. We no. did this. Well, we weren't there, yeah. but we were. Rich and Mikel, yeah. thank you guys for putting that together. That's really cool, guys. Keep it up. I love that stuff that we have nothing to do with is like making <laughs> waves. <laughs> you and I did that, Chris. We're awesome. Yeah. We just go on microphones and take all the credit. For <laughs> it's a good song, though, right? That's very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, all right, so what's your next pick? Well, I guess it's time to oh, address yeah. the big purple elephant in the room, huh? Yeah. it's uh, We're recording this the day after, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was yesterday. Yesterday, Prince died. Yeah. My wife sent me a text at work, and I was just like, what? And I went down to the other guy I work with, you know, and I said, have you heard, seen anything about this? He's like, nah, they they found some somebody died in his compound. That's what they were but, saying first. But some, somebody I don't died think it was house. Prince. And then yep. by the time I got home for lunch, it was it was Prince. And actually, I was at, at lunch with my wife. We both work at the same place. And I was initially seeing uh, Chris Epting, who's been on the show, had posted the link to someone was found dead at his house. Yeah. And then I'm reading through the comments, and then I see Chris himself goes, R.I.P. Prince, and I was like, no way. Damn. And then I went on TMZ, and there yeah. it was. And it's 57 years old, and I was not, I'll, I'm not going to say I was some massive Prince fan. No, I, but, me neither. But, but you got to respect him. But you know? he had a massive impact on music and culture, yeah. especially those of us that grew up in the 80s. The right, guy, yeah. he was a huge star. Because in the 80s, you know, it was like Madonna. Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson and, Prince. and Prince. They were the you big know? three. And Prince was the cool one. He was kind of the most rock and roll yeah, of for the sure. three. And Prince over the years, he definitely has shown that when he wants to, he can freaking rock hard. Yeah. It's uh it's a shock, man. I did the Michael Jackson I kind of saw coming just because of his weird life and he always kind of looked a little sick, but prince i just i never in a million years thought he i thought he was just one i kind of assumed would live to be an old man yeah but yeah it's a surprise man and then uh you know i know it's not hard rock and heavy metal but you know we kind of have to acknowledge it for sure because prince you know like i said he he definitely did rock man he he had rock in him for Mm -hmm. sure and you know a lot of cool rock bands have done awesome covers of Prince songs, and so I thought his tribute today and in helpful memory of Prince, you know, it'd be cool to play a really awesome cover. And this is one I really, really like a lot. It's a Prince song for sure because it's about losing your girlfriend to a girl who looks just like your girlfriend. Only Prince would write a song about that, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's pretty far out. Who else but Prince would experience something like that? Maybe Duff McKagan. So here's a version for you that I'm sure you're going to dig. It's Duff McKagan doing a tune called Bambi.
You like that? That's cool. That's I, pretty I awesome. I remember the original version of that song that, yeah. that Prince did, and I always thought it was one of his better songs. I think we should do a heavier side of Prince. We might have to look into doing that. I, I'm, I, a, I didn't expect you to suggest that. But that's I'm a lot surprised. of homework, but I do believe we could do it. Because on Facebook, when I found out that Prince was dead, I put on there what I always felt about Prince was I wish this guy would come out with a hard rock album because you know he's got it in him. I mean, for crying out loud, he did the best Super Bowl show, halftime oh, show was ever. Awesome. Yeah. I can't think of anybody that ever did a better job at the halftime show all than live. him. Not a damn thing was lip synced. Right. You know, he'll always have that. He's yeah. he's the Super Bowl champion of forever. That was a great show. Until um, they get kissed to do it. Well, yeah. They did the pregame show. Yeah, that don't count. <laughs> I'm talking halftime. Yeah. Prince, I, Prince rules we that. We may have to look into that. Maybe maybe it's worth doing. I think it is. And I think I might even enjoy doing the research. Okay. Because I know Prince rocks. I know he does. And when I posted that on Facebook, I had a lot of messages from people that said, hey, there is some heavy Prince songs. And I'd like to seek them out. Okay. So. Maybe some of our listeners could help us out with that by letting us know on the Facebook page oh, yeah, which are which are the heaviest of the Prince songs. Or if you think we're insane for doing a Prince episode, tell yeah, us that there don't too. Don't do that. <laughs> um, but no, it's a do a heavier side of Pantera instead. A heavier side of Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, the first person I thought of when. I heard that Prince died was Todd Zilla. Yeah, me too. Because Todd is a massive fan of Prince and also performs in this group called Purple Masquerade, which is a Prince tribute act. And they yeah. like recreate an entire Prince stage show. And they did their first gig about a month or so ago. And they're, they have the second show coming up in Nashville at 12th and Porter. And I will have the link in the show notes to for all the information for that. Right on. Hey, something else that I saw on the news the other night talking about Prince was Des Dickerson. Yeah. The guy that you'd mentioned, was it on the show or was it VIP? I think it was VIP. We were talking about him on VIP. The the guy with the yeah, the, the karate the kid. Yeah, he was part of the Prince in the Revolution. Yep. He had the, the karate mm-hmm. headband. He was a rock and roll guitar player and he lives here in Nashville. Yep. I saw him on TV. Yeah, he's he's been a part of the local scene and yeah, I used to know his son pretty well. His son used to front a local rock band. But yeah, he. I'm sure he's more in mourning right now too. I'm sure. First person I thought of though was Todd Zilla, and uh, and so I, I immediately sent Todd a message and said, "You're the first person I thought of. Are you doing all right?" And he basically said, "I'm devastated." And yeah. uh, you know, it's. He said mostly because he spent the last six months immersed in, immersing himself in Prince's music yeah. to to get this show correct to make it right and uh, get the spirit right and Godzilla don't half-ass nothing. No, and he you know he said in the past that other tribute acts have come and gone and um, Prince has shut down tribute acts and he was worried about that at one point. Yeah, um, but he's like now with this happening, it's even he feels a huge responsibility to make sure he does it the right way. Mm. So they're doing this Purple Masquerade show coming up at 12th and Porter in Nashville. And if you're local, um, I encourage you to show up for it. It's going to be a packed house, especially yeah. after this going down. Yeah, it's going to be special for sure. But um, I told him, I said, you know, I want we're doing a Radio Suck show soon, and I want to play a song as a tribute to him. So what do you think is the most rocking Prince song that you, you could suggest? Oh, nice. So I thought, oh, Chris, that's so smart. So that's I wanted the guy him to, to have some input on this. And his response, I'm reading it directly. He said he did a version of "She's Always in My Hair" with his all-star, all-girl band on Arsenio's new show a few months ago, that was jaw-dropping. 
And uh, I've listened to it, and uh, you're going to hear it now. And this is uh, Prince with his band just a few months ago doing She's Always in My Hair, and we'll see you next week.
Prince, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't get any better.